This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 13th of August. In your Squiz today, looking after remote Australia, breaking records in Italy, work from home with an asterisk, and understanding the smiley face emoji. This is your Squiz today. The nation's capital last night joined Melbourne and a big chunk of New South Wales in lockdown, Kate. They have four cases that have been out and about, and that lockdown is for seven days at this stage. In Victoria, there were 21 new local cases, some of them a mystery. And in New South Wales, there were 345 new local cases and two deaths yesterday with COVID seeping into the regions, but also to very remote parts of the state. So we're talking about the northwest, specifically a fair bit of focus on the town of Walgett. That's got a population of 2,200 people. And to get our bearings, Simone, it's some 700 kilometres from Sydney. There was a case recorded in that shire yesterday. And whilst one case might sound insignificant, when you look at the population of people in and around Walgett considered vulnerable, in particular remote Indigenous communities, it's high. So close to 30% of the population. The worry is that if COVID gets in there, not only are they not well vaccinated, only about 8%, they also don't have easy access to medical services. So in response, the federal government has sent in further vaccines to get that rate up. Yep, get vaccinated is a message all levels of government are desperate for us to hear. And those messages might just be resonating, Kate. A fortnightly report on vaccine hesitancy has shown a fall. That's right. The latest data from the Melbourne Institute who are releasing fortnightly vaccine hesitancy reports showed 21.8% of people were unsure or unwilling to get the vaccine. That compares to a peak of 35% in mid-May. So there's a bit of a drop off there. Those in the know are not resting easy, though, and that's because the number is plateauing. So they're worried that it will stall at about the 20% mark. That's certainly what's happened overseas. Apparently, people who are nervous or not willing to get the jab are unlikely to ever change their minds about it. Yeah, and when it comes to the issues people are most concerned about, it's generally about the vaccine's effectiveness and a lack of trust in the vaccine. As we've come to expect on a Friday, National Cabinet will meet today. The Australian Financial Review is reporting this morning that state premiers are going to, in their words, confront the Prime Minister about the Sydney outbreak. Yeah, many of the state premiers have given comments for this piece in the AFR, as it's known. They're concerned about the risk the New South Wales outbreak poses to their state. They've referenced that 70 to 80% vaccination target as the benchmark to start opening up borders and not imposing lockdowns. Berejiklian, though, has indicated that for New South Wales, 50% might be enough to start easing restrictions. Bit of nuance in the language. And to clarify that, what Premier Berejiklian has said is that 70% of the population would need to be fully vaccinated to grant significant freedoms, but there could be some additional freedoms at the 50% threshold. To the High Court now, which yesterday rejected a bid for four-year-old Thanika Murugappan's appeal for a protection visa to be heard, it's the latest in a lengthy legal history for the Murugappan family. Yeah, it sure is. To back it up a bit, they're known in the news as the family from Biliwila, a small town in Queensland. That's where they lived until they were detained on Christmas Island. They were detained because the parents, Nardes and Priya, have never been granted refugee status. and They're considered illegal arrivals. Both came to Australia by boat from Sri Lanka before meeting in Biliwila. There's been lots of public support for them and that pressure saw them moved from Christmas Island to Perth to live in community detention whilst they challenged the status. 
As you say, Simone, it's Tharnika, their four-year-old daughter, though, that's in the middle of this recent fight. That's because the family are challenging a court ruling which stops her from applying for asylum. It's all a bit complicated, as things in the courts are, but basically what happened yesterday was the High Court said it wasn't a call for them to make. Now the ball is in the Immigration Minister Alex Hawke's court. He can use his discretion to lift the ban on her applying for a protection visa. The reason they're pushing for that is that if she's able to do that and is successful, the family could then apply for a visa to stay in Australia. Yeah, and as for where Alex Hawke is on this, yesterday he acknowledged the High Court's decision but said he couldn't make any further comments because the family has other legal matters underway. To Italy now, where it's the height of summer. Like, really, the height of summer, Kate. It really, really is. Looks like they've recorded the highest temperature in European history. That was taken on the island of Sicily and the temperature was 48.8 degrees Celsius. It still has to be verified by the fancy organisation that verifies these things. But if all is confirmed, it will break the previous European record of 48 degrees. That was set in Athens in 1977. Of course, Simone, heat means fire. There's been devastating fires across Europe of late, in Italy, in Greece, in other areas around the Mediterranean. The Prime Minister of Greece called it a nightmarish summer, something we know all too well about. Yeah, we sure do. And just to round out your highest temperatures on record knowledge, Australia's is 50.7 degrees. That was recorded at South Australia's Unadada Airport in January in 1960. Google Kate has been seemingly okay with working from home, although if you do work remotely, you might risk your pay packet, at least in the US. Yeah, this one does relate to Google employees in the US, but it's interesting nonetheless. There's been a leak out of Google of an internal salary calculator, and the general gist is that Googlers who move out of the big cities will see a pay cut. Plenty of people with plenty of opinions about this, but Google aren't alone on this. Other big tech companies like Microsoft, Facebook and Twitter have also offered less pay for employees based in locations where it's less expensive to live. For Google's part, they say they've always compensated employees based on where they're located and that they pay at the top of the local market, wherever that may be. Others say it's a move to get employees back to their desks which seems consistent with where Google has been on the work from home spectrum. Back in May, they said they expected around 60% of their staff to be in the office some of the time. From Google to emojis, Kate, and this one really is a public service announcement for anyone who might be engaging in texting with a Gen Zer, so those under the age of 25. The smiley face is seen as a patronising pat on the head or being passive aggressive. Yeah, I had no idea about this. I'm sure there are Gen Zers listening who can't believe people don't know this, but we really, really don't. No According idea. <laughs> to one author who's written a book on digital body language, people over 30 generally use emojis quite literally. So what the dictionary definition of what an emoji represents is, which is what I tend to do, if you're younger, if you're a digital native as they're known, there's often an entirely different take on them. So yeah, the smiley face, passive aggressive. Who knew? Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday, Kate. Obviously, I'm very out of touch when it comes to emoji etiquette. I hate to admit it, but I even had to Google what some emojis meant yesterday. So clearly very uncool. <laughs> well, it depends what they mean to you, what they mean to a Gen Zer. Very different. <laughs> Absolutely. Friday Lights, always good to get light on a Friday. It's a section of the Squiz Today email that recommends some reading, some listening, and usually a recipe or two. So this week, Kate, it's a Spanish chicken dish with peppers, butter beans, and chorizo. I'll make sure to pop a link in your episode notes. 
Yeah, Chorizo gives that one a tick from me. Simone, there's also a link to an Australian story on Luke Longley. I haven't seen this yet, but it's been high on my list since there was lots of talk a week or so ago about his non-appearance in that Netflix series, The Last Dance. Bit of background, Luke Longley is an Aussie basketballer. He played alongside Michael Jordan at the Chicago Bulls in the 1990s. He was a big part of three of the team's six NBA championships. Michael Jordan is interviewed in the two-part series. He's admitted that leaving him out was an oversight. Yeah, it's a really good one. I watched it earlier in the week and obviously Luke Longley has quite an amazing story. He was the first Aussie to play in the NBA and he's pretty low key. So it's a rare insight into his life. Squiz the day. Looking ahead to the weekend, Kate, tomorrow is the start of National Science Week that runs until the 22nd of August. And there are some great DIY science experiments online. So if you're looking for something to do this weekend with the kids, definitely check that out at scienceweek.net.au. Yeah, that's a hot tip. As I said, National Cabinet meets today, Simone. We have come to expect that on a Friday. But today is also International Left-Handers Day. So left-handers out there, go crazy. It's your day. (laughs) And just before we go, the sale of Afterpay has brought Buy Now, Pay Later services back into the spotlight. So in this week's Squeeze Shortcut, we took a look at how Buy Now, Pay Later works. Yeah, that was out yesterday. BNPL, as it's known, is becoming such a big part of how we finance our purchases these days. So understanding how it works isn't a bad idea but also Afterpay are just a great Aussie business story so it's worth getting across. Yeah definitely I'll pop a link to that in your episode show notes or you can always just search for Squiz Shortcuts in your podcast app. That's all from us have a great weekend and we'll be back with you again on Monday. talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online, kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more and get a great discount, visit NordVPN. VPN.com forward slash squiz today.